Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a high-energy music industry podcast where I amp up the energy the more I need to take a nap. Um, we have the one and only Scotty Heath, our sort of co-host, back after an extended hiatus while he was on the road. And of course, my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag. Woo! Yo, I'm loving this energy, Bacon. Get the fuck up. Everybody, let's do it. Go <laughs> open up this podcast. We're going to fucking pod. Wall to wall, front to back. Yeah. Circle of fucking violence. Um, all that to say on this fun episode of the pod. First of all, so we have a really good topic I want to get into. But first, Scotty, you haven't been on the podcast in like several months. Yeah, it's been way too long. Like I was, yeah. we were, were doing like two, three a month for a while. And then um, just life I happened. Which is fine. Yeah, I went on a, I went on one tour that had a, that had a short break in between. We never got together then. And then once, it's like, I also said, this is like going, traveling to shows, right? If you drive to shows every weekend, but it's like an hour drive or an hour and a half drive, like into the closest like city from you, you get used to that, right? But then a new venue opens up close to your closer to your house and you start getting used to only going 15 minutes to the venue and then there's a show an hour and a half away and you're like i'm not fucking going all the way out there even though 100%. you used to go there all the time so 100%. well there's like there was this amazing meme yesterday about like um joe biden talking about using rail to connect the country has clearly <laughs> never met midwesterners who say why fly it's just a 10-hour drive yeah <laughs> Which is something they say in the Midwest, and it's fucking weird. Grandpa my, Joe. My mother used to drive eight hours every weekend to go sit on a porch in front of a lake. Eight hours. Like, yeah, and, that, and was, she just, that was it. That was Michigan style. Like, oh, I'm Fridays after work, I drive eight hours. I show up at two in the morning, and then I sit on a chair in front of the lake until Sunday night and drive eight hours back home. Yeah, this is like the Midwest. But anyway, so what were you doing, you know, outside of making fun of the Midwest? What was I doing now? Right before you called, I was, there's some guys uh, putting Tesla solar panels on my neighbor's house. I've been watching them work since seven o'clock this morning. I meant, moreover, what were you doing on tour? <laughs> Who were you touring with? What, what was happening? You've got a couple things cooking. Fuck you, Scotty. I'm heating up my coffee in the microwave as well, Mr. Bacon. <laughs> Uh, no, I was out with Municipal Waste, as always. I'm pretty much won't take uh, a couple A couple smart tour managers have tried to poach me, but I'm not going to be doing any road work with any other bands besides Municipal Waste because they tour enough. And they're the best band, and they're my best friends, and it's just not the same when I go out with other bands. So, always on the road with the Waste. Uh, we did... Uh, a triple headliner with um, Napalm Death and Sick of It All, which was pretty crazy. And so that's the other thing to like show. I mean, I know at this point, Municipal Waste has been a band for 20 years, but those bands have been a band for 35 years. And so there is room to grow for bands. Uh, when you look at like the legacy bands, there's room for new legacy bands. Uh, that we're seeing with bands like Municipal Waste, and that's really cool. Yeah, that's been, like, a really weird thing for me personally, like, as, mm -hmm. as a 24-year-old, you know, who got into Municipal Waste when I was 13. Yeah. You know, is, like, they kind of went from, like, oh, it's this new thrash band, and they're, like, in their 20s. 
to like, oh, they like tour with Exodus as equals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, certainly, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, they're a legacy band now. You know, I don't, I don't think they, I mean, I know they're always working on new music, but I, I don't think they would need to release another record to continue uh, playing huge festivals and headlining, you know, big clubs in the U.S. So it's really, for me, to be on board is super exciting. So I'm just really thankful that the guys will take me around because um, it helps keep me busy. It helps me make some extra money. And uh, it just does great things for the label. I mean, it's a great um, side hustle for a label guy. Like, we're going out in, um, in May with Testament and Black Dahlia Murder and Municipal Waste. So... I mean, what a house-filling bill, you know? I mean, Testament really thought that one out. Like, hey, we got a new album. We're the old guys. Let's fill some fucking clubs. I mean, getting Black Dahlia and Municipal Waste as your support is pretty fucking huge. Yeah, um, so I, as I think a label it might actually guy, technically be a Black Dahlia Testament co-headliner, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, yeah. It's the most diverse tour I've been on in a long time. It's, I know it's not that diverse. I mean, I've had both Necrot and Ghoul have toured with Black Dahlia before, but I'd, it'll be cool to see. I mean, test, we, with Waste, you know, we've toured with Exodus. and uh, So Testament's like in our wheelhouse to get that offer. But um, so we'll see. It's awesome. They both have new albums out. Um, I'll be done working by like halfway through Black Dahlia's set every night, which makes me so fucking stoked. Um, that's just something I'm not used to, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But what I was saying is in what, how it goes with the label is I'm going to be street teaming the new Necrot record uh, that whole tour. Which so is awesome. that's how else it, that's how else it ties in. Like, how the fuck like the old school street teams kind of dead uh where a label just sends like a thousand stickers and a hundred posters to like one guy in a metropolis um i wouldn't mind doing stuff like that it's it's just hard to there's budgets just aren't that big to have unreliable people you just are like you know hoping they'll do it but uh for me to be able to hit like 30 a and b markets uh, the five weeks out from like what's looking to be my biggest record ever is fucking that's pretty dope dude because you know cool. i like to get my hands dirty, dude so. that's very cool so um, i'm gonna have to have a pocket full of a tank crime stickers and then a pocket full of necrot stickers and uh you know posters for the album and stuff like that so um that's where i've been on tour and that's where i'm going on tour but i have two months off right now so i've been in and out of the studio with necrot getting this shit ready and kind of like readjusting to being home for an extended amount of time because sure. I have a lot of stuff to do. So. Absolutely. So that's what I've been doing. Um, so the point being, what's the point? Yeah. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So says, uh, Elijah, I believe. Um, but the, po the point I was trying to make is Keith, what was our topic for today? First of all, I am caffeinated as fuck today. Uh, Hell so yeah. This, High energy I'm podcast. Also, I am so fucking, my nipples are hard and I'm drooling a little. So this is fucking great. This um, is what I wanted to hear. Scotty, I will see you on this Testament uh, Municipal Waste Tour uh, with Black Dahlia as well. Probably uh, cool. in where, long, 
Long Island, New Jersey, Philly, somewhere in there. Oh, killer, sick! Yeah, I'm gonna be out at that um at that Decibel Beer Fest in Philly oh, too in no April. We'll yeah, I'm really looking also. forward to that. Yeah, hell yeah, awesome! Right. That, looking forward to it. So, today's topic, which Matthew and I have been chatting about for a couple of days, there is a brand new podcast for all you music nerds to check out. I don't know how long it's going to go for. Uh, venerable music journalist and uh, pop culture reporter and uh, semi-hero to Matthew and I, Chuck Klosterman, and uh, Chris Ryan from The Ringer are doing a Music Exists podcast. You can check it out wherever you listen to podcasts when you're not listening to Dumb and Dumbest podcast. Which you should be doing um, all the time. Yeah, of course. And uh, subscribing and sharing with all your friends. And uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Google Pods. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) high energy. So Zune. Woo, Zune iPad mini, iPods, iPod click wheel. Anyway, does any opinion actually matter is the title of one of the very first podcast episodes. And I have to say this shit blew my mind a little bit as a music journalist and a huge music nerd and a person with a lifelong love affair of music in general. And, the, and what they talked about was several things, as, as Chuck is known to do, is unpack a lot of things like we do. And... Um, you know, basically, do music reviews matter anymore? Have you ever read a music review that has changed your opinion about an album before or after you got it? Uh, is it possible that music criticism can influence you positively or negatively uh, it, to listen to a review or not? Is it, is it you know, like they unpack this thing uh, six ways to Sunday, uh, including a really awesome thing that we talked about on the, on the pod not too long, like maybe 150 episodes ago which was with the uh, infamous Pitchfork review of Greta Van Fleet that was so bad that people went out and listened to Greta Van Fleet and probably helped boost their streaming numbers like that much because it was such an evisceration that people who were just mildly curious about that band went and checked out the band. And, you know, now there's touring fucking arenas. So I wanted to talk to Scotty. I think this is a great way to welcome Scotty back in. Scotty's a guy who owns a label. Scotty's a guy, just like us, super passionate about all the music in the world that he cares about and more. Do reviews still matter? I'm a person that writes reviews. Matt is a person that writes reviews. I get hounded all the time by publicists and labels for reviews. But to a person that owns a label, do they matter at all? Yeah. The volume of them matters, I think. More than what the words are. I mean, and yeah. but you're not going to get... but like. Bad reviews don't snowball into more reviews, but good reviews snowball into more reviews and more reviews, regardless of the of um, what's said about the record, um, is just more mentions. And that's really where I think reviews still count. And that's why labels and publicists are hounding, you know, blogs and stuff for them because you just want to get mentioned like daily, like all the time, like everyone is just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So if they can see my name a few times a day, uh, and it just, it just ups my chances of being checked out and uh, hopefully, you know, gaining a new fan. But a, re- a singular review, I don't think really does very much. That was a good example, like you said, with the pitchfork, like, if a bad review is bad enough, it gets it. Nothing worse than a lukewarm bad review. 
because you want at least like at least as a band or a label you want to be able to pull some funny quote from it that's like audacious or something saying how bad it is i got a two in pitchfork once and it was for a band's debut album that wasn't didn't really belong in pitchfork anyways like i was really surprised they picked it up and then they trashed it but like they're like a tastemaker site right so you either gotta like put on a new band you like for people to check out or trash a band that's already popular trashing a band that no one's ever heard of it just did nothing like the, it probably got no clicks and we didn't share it of course uh it bummed out the band super bad and uh so but reviews matter but I don't know how it's different than because there's so many of them. That's the thing. You used to just want five reviews from five magazines. I mean, I, the main re review I want every time is a decibel print review. That's the one I care about the most, but that's also like this visceral feeling of reading something in print that, that harkens back to my childhood. That's like nostalgia for me. You know, it, it fills me somehow with more, gratitude and happiness than reading it on my phone. That, that being said, I would imagine that the decibel reviews probably get have a much higher readership rate than the metal injection reviews, even if there's more people looking at metal injection every day. Yeah, and well, it goes back to what I said, though, is that's an influential review in as far as people who write about records are more likely to want to write about a record that's been written about favorably in a, in a something like decibel. hundred percent. And I think that's, you know, su that's super important. And that's what I mean. It, it just snowballs, you know? So that's, it's getting mentioned more and more because it's really hard to keep attention on anything. It's like, and people are afraid to like, um, there's a lack of self-awareness on one half of this and a lack of courage on the other half, which is resharing people talking about your project. Um, that's why more reviews are good. People, if you do an interview and it gets published even on this, uh, on a big or small blog, you might share it one time, which Matt, you and I both know that's not reaching all the people who want to see it, who yeah. literally signed up to see your, your stuff. And, but then it just leaves it at that, where like, if you have a new album and a bunch of reviews are coming in, it leaves, um, it leaves the less experienced, more confident to keep posting. Um, and then I said, you got to balance it with self-awareness because the other thing is don't shove this one review in my face 20 times a day. 100%. I also, and, I, and now I, I want, I want to touch on this because um, you talked about an interesting phenomenon, which is the idea that like music journalists, um, you know, like good reviews beget more good reviews. Mm -hmm. And I do want to point out that I'm pretty sure the people who read the most reviews are music journalists because they're just like the music nerds. Yeah. And the ba and bands will read reviews about themselves and maybe some of their contemporaries to see where they stack up. Uh, I mean, that's what I do, but also it's going back to like the context of the review, like I'll usually check out a band after I see it mentioned several times. Yeah. Like if it's something totally off my radar, uh, then I start noticing it pop up on my phone a couple times, but then I'm most likely to 
just scroll to the bottom of the review where the Bandcamp player is, then read the, re you know, cause I'm like, oh, I'll just finally click on this one. Um, and then I just want to hundred percent. But it was, but those, but the five mentions is what got me to click play. I mean, if you look at now, now it's so crazy because I think I noticed in 2019, finally seeing this aggressively with extreme music bands is the amount of streams and monthly listeners you can get in your first month just based off reviews and clicks at the bottom of blogs and stuff like that. Um, so many more people are just going so quickly um, to check, because you can check out any band that's like being even mildly hyped. Um, their monthly listeners are gonna be up a lot. And then it's the, it's the band's job then to keep those people. Um, because also now those first month numbers are, are becoming really inflated by people who are given in a, you know, a 30 second, you know, good, good try, good faith checkout, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's like really important is that the number of like, that's how I checked out Knocked Loose. Like, I don't think I read a review of Knocked Loose. I was just like, just like their name has been like ubiquitous with following extreme blogs for two years. And then you, you just eventually got to say, what is this shit about? You know? Yeah. Let's go listen to Knocked Loose. And then I was like, oh, arf, arf. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did that too. And I was like, when does the breakdown end and the song start? Oh, no, another breakdown. The whole song is a breakdown, it's just everybody. It's a breakdown. And then I was like, I get it. I mean, Actually, it's not for me, but I get it. I was like, oh, I get the appeal. It's like people who never want the song to pick up just break down <laughs> um which is the opposite of what i like because ska music literally screams pick it up pick it up pick it up the whole time <laughs> what um what's funny is that uh what's funny matt oh, so, oh my god yeah so how i actually got into knock loose the thing that like pushed me over the edge was i met this girl on the fourth of july who was like, we were at like this horrible douchey party that my friends took me to. And she was like the only girl who like seemed interesting. And <laughs> she started talking to me about Knocked Loose. And that was how I, that, and yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, as, but sometimes that's what it is, is it's like that final human touch. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't know, like when you hear someone like Scotty say that, uh, Keith, how, how does that make you feel? Like, what are your thoughts? You know, he's right on the money because my prior experience in major PR is also more about mentions than the quality of the mentions. Mm -hmm. So yes, just getting the name out there is crucial. Um, so I think there's sort of at the, at the, let's say at the underground, but still major metal and rock and punk labels, there's an idea like the more press, the better, even if it's bad. And as we've said many times on the pod, there are no bad reviews because even a bad review is a review. And I know that bands don't like bad reviews because everybody's very sensitive about their art. But it's also, this is punk rock metal and you don't need to have be too sensitive. Like if you get a bad review, maybe they were the wrong guy for it, the wrong gal for it, the wrong person to review your music and move the fuck on. Um, it's so think, important to keep it moving too, to keep it yeah. moving. Cause I've, I've, I've seen uh, bands get deflated pretty bad over some harsh words. Yeah. But come on guys, like keep it moving. And you, um, so. uh, Scotty, I think in the one of the times you've been on the pod, you talk, is this that, that story you related earlier 
today. Was that that band that broke up after that bad review? Well, to make the story better, I said they broke up, which is so funny because Albert from Decibel was listening to that podcast and he wrote, he was like, which band broke up from a Decibel review? And I was like, I was embellishing a little bit. But uh, it took the wind out of their sails. Like, it, it, it shot a bazooka through their sails. I got you. Hey, Albert listens was, to our podcast. You know, I was going to say, fuck. Hi, Hi Albert. Hey. Hi, hey. Albert. We love hey, you. Er, he at least listens when I'm the guest, right? So welcome right. back, Scotty. Word. What, uh, see, you, see you in Philly, Albert. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was a one-two punch of the – it was a pitchfork decibel two and two. Boom, boom. Uh, right off the bat, like both were like on the streets before the release date. And uh, there was like a, a band member injury that happened at the same time. And oh, uh, regardless, uh, I got, a, you know, about 400 of these LPs stacking the walls of Tank Crimes headquarters. So, Yowza. Hey. so we, we take L's too. We take yeah. L's. We take wins. It's okay. Yeah, we all do. Hey, Matt, I have a question for you that maybe Scott can also comment, which is, um, so Matt, you, Matt does reviews for sites that typically don't assign a grade. Uh, his two guys' metal reviews is just basically a very thoughtful, well-in-depth review. And usually mm -hmm. it's at least fair to Midland or great, that range for Matt. Injection also runs the gamut from poor to great. Ghost Cult, that I run and own, uh, we have a, a sizable writing staff and we still go by a number grade. Uh, we got rid of the half marks because I think it was too confusing. So it's just a one to 10, but realistically we normally don't review anything that's super shitty because it's a waste uh, for us to review something yeah. that's a two. We've given a couple of twos and they're awful, but like, I don't enjoy that. I don't think any readers enjoy that. Some people do love, I think readers of terrible websites love shitty reviews and love the pile on but typically we're trying to highlight better music. So most of our reviews are the average, most records are average anyway, they're not great. I mean, you know, for every Necrot, there's a lot of shitty bands out there that are not great at all, so. Yeah, and as a, as a, as a publication, um, there's really no need to shit on a band no one's heard of. I mean, like I discussed this earlier regarding Pitchfork, but even when you're covering the underground, um, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of glory in saying, here's a band you've never heard of, they suck. Right. You, so why, why waste the words, you know? Why waste the space? Um, I, have, I have always thought that Pitchfork was overrated garbage as a website. They're like, I understand that they're tastemakers to a certain segment, but they didn't even start covering metal till it became trendy and voice, uh, you know, like Vice and Noisy and things came along and Loudwire and Metal Sucks got a lot of prominence and Consequences Sound went a little more metal and that's when Pitchfork started to really sincerely cover metal and honestly they do a bad job of it and also I wouldn't even want my song if I was a band screamed on Pitchfork because the quality is like coming out of my slipper shoe. <laughs> uh, yeah you know they don't they, it's interesting they don't they don't really cover my shit uh, maybe nope. my next hype record they will um, but uh, yeah they've never really been part of my like my peripheral view of what i'm looking for for coverage but i click on them when they to see them gush about blood incantation or something and i'm like good for those guys you know right they love the cattle record so did everybody else wow yeah so it's cool and that's the other thing you know like when something and those are the kind of and that's the kind of review that helps a band bubble up to the next spot 
because honestly, I mean, we talked about how you can get kind of faked out by monthly listeners when you're getting a lot of reviews. Bands, bands bank tours off those monthly listeners, whether they're, whether they stop by for 30 seconds or that they fucking keep revisiting the album, you know? So that's where Pitchfork comes in and can help a band like that, you know? And it, and it also, so first of all, I just want to say that the Pitchfork Sunday reviews are excellent. I use those to help like educate some of my listening. Cause it's like, Oh look, it's, it's like educated music journalists who are, you know, being actually paid to write reviews about albums. I should probably know. Um, that being said, um, <clears throat> I also think, because it's interesting, like you said, how, P- how Pitchfork can help you bubble up. If you look at a band, like Paul Bearer is a good example, or Chernobyl. Well, both- it kind of lets, like, the people who pay attention know. Like, which is weird, and I hate giving them that much credit, but it's not them directly. It's letting the rest of the extreme music world know, like, oh, shit, they bubbled up. Like, they're, like if they're getting talked about there, it's the same as, like, being on NPR or something. I, NPR is obviously, I'd be way more proud of than Pitchfork if we had a good review, but they both do that thing where they say, okay, this, this band uh, has created more awareness than the rest of the pack. It, it's, it's, it becomes part of the cultural conversation. It's not just the metal conversation. Yeah. And, and that's definitely Which is, I like, I like visibility of extreme music. I mean, yeah. I, I know people disagree with that, but I don't. But I mean, I'm a rec- I'm, my, I want to help a band have a career. So when I see bands get covered by larger publications, I go sick. They're on their way. Here we come. You know, like we're, we're following your path. Like has Municipal Waste ever been covered in Pitchfork? Uh, I'll bet that they did. I I wouldn't remember, but I'll, I feel like art of partying or something might've been, I mean, they were at the top of the thrash boom. So Pitchfork definitely had to have recognized that when it was happening and who else would they have covered, you know? Yeah. Havoc. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's, but I mean, those are just bands that are, are, are in, they're, they're here because of Municipal Waste. 100%. And I don't, you, you know, it's like Municipal Waste brought, I mean, dude, Municipal Waste brought Thrash back from the basements to the big stage. And consequently, a whole scene was revised and the bands that were, that were, they had been influenced by started touring again and putting out albums. So yeah, which is crazy. You can't deny that shit, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, okay. So just to kind of circle back now. So we've talked about how reviews matter in terms of quantity and then the quality, right. And then in terms of quality, the real sell is if I'm understanding, I feel this way, but having, I want to make sure you feel this way having a bunch of quality reviews is really valuable because the people who read reviews are also music writers. And so that just fuels the fire. Absolutely. Okay. Review, good reviews equal more good reviews. When we did that last Necrot, they just piled on and piled on and piled on. And we were getting reviews like two months after the street date, which you guys know how insane that, that is. Yeah. And I just want to talk about like my personal logic with that. Just, you know, I, um, you know, so with a band like kind of in like the necrot or vastum space or like tomb mold where they're like hyped Mm -hmm. you know and i want to know if you're the same way keith because like with two guys metal reviews it's a personal you know metal injections obviously a little different but two guys metal reviews is kind of a personal project 
I just like review stuff I think is interesting on my friends' labels. And it's usually the smaller stuff. Like the Benny Morty doesn't need me to cover Blue Dust Nord or they need me to cover White Ward or something. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, what happens with me because I write a review every day is I see 30 good reviews on Necrot and I'm like, fuck, I might as well just put in my two cents about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Like we said, it's going to make you want to at least kick, click play. Yeah. And then if it can engage you half as much as it engaged the other 30 people you just saw writing about it, and you, you're, you're in the business of or in the hobby or practice of writing reviews, boom, there it is, you know? Plus, um, I mean, even from the blog side, like, clicks drive clicks. Like I said, like, I don't go to Pitchfork, but I go there when they cover Blood Incantation. And uh, then in the same thing, like, I, lots of... Um, like blogs that I've stayed in touch with, I'd never heard of before they wrote about one of my bands. And now it's like somebody I talk to on Twitter all the time and send all my shit, you know? Very well said. Yeah. And that's important. Um, so, okay. So, and this is part of why reviews matter. So let's say you get a review. Okay. Um, what, uh, you, you you get a review. What do you then do, Scotty? With the review, I send it to the band first. And how do you interact with Especially the journalist? Especially if it's good. Um, I will, if it's a favorable review, I will reach out and say, glad you liked it, thanks for the coverage. But not really much more than that, but basically an acknowledgement and a thank you and share it on my socials. Okay. And, and then if I get a bad review, I just, I mean, I just ignore it. I mean, I, it's like, um, I've seen how, you know, I know it's important for people who write reviews to get that retweet and shit like that, but motherfuckers who want attention after they say my shit's not good are insane. So that's the other thing. <laughs> we get a bad review. Not only do I ignore it, I don't send it on the group chat over to the band. If they see it, they see it, but that's not, you know. It's a mm -hmm. keep it moving thing. How do you how do you build a relationship with a journalist after they review you? Oh, you just be nice to them and they fucking love it because we're all artists. So we're terribly insecure, are looking for uh, positive reinforcement that we never got from our parents or our peers. And that's why we find ourselves in this extreme music hellhole that where we thrive. But uh, man, if you most people if you put yourself out there as a creative person and somebody even just says they they noticed it i mean that's an opening for a relationship right there you know very well said and i think true that's super story. important true story yo i don't take any personal glee in uh bad albums or reviewing them i'm not to the point where i'm reviewing an album a day anymore so hats off to you maddie um I am reviewing something today, which is very solid to good. And again, not every record is going to blow your mind to be a 10. And not every record is garbage and you need to report on it. And I do think that reviews still serve a purpose. That's why we still do them. Every year I examine, like, is it worth doing them? I will say we are doing less and less and less. I have a decent sized staff compared to most big websites um, in terms of volume and range. But you know, we just can't cover everything I would like to. Uh, there are also things that I will see like end of year lists and be like, oh man, 
I don't really end of, end of year lists bring a lot of stuff back. I mean, right. if that's from like my industry side of year end lists, like I like to be on them, but they get they but beyond that, they get people to check shit out for sure. Check shit out. We yeah. see big boosts. I always yeah. th- I always say big boosts at the end of the year. My year end list is the single most important article I write all year. To to bands, I mean, it is yeah. it really moves the needle. I mean, it's once again I was talking about like. You see streaming numbers off of uh, reviews when it first comes out. You see just as much off year-end lists. But what you see more off year-end lists is actual sales. 100%. Because you can see that you, the record's already been out for nine months, and all of a sudden there's a boost. Like, you know exactly where that's coming. Well, yeah, and the value of the year-end list, too, is that, like, it's the only time we're, we're, we're really listening to music sort of in a vacuum, objectively. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the time when we're listening to music, we're like, like you know, you can get high on that necrot juice, which is cool, yeah. you know, but it's like, what do you think a year from now about neck? You know, what am I going to think in six months about that necrot record? And if I'm still like, yes, necrot, then that mean you know then that's yeah. that's meaningful you know like obviously it'll be rad but like how many people in six months are gonna be like yes this is super rad how do we get a necrot, lot of people. A, how do we get necrot a beer an energy drink or a coffee drink that's called necrot juice holy shit matt that's necrot amazing. juice i know i don't necrot know if they're doing juice. they're doing a beer for uh for the beer for the philly beer fest i don't know if it's been yes. named yet I'll pitch okay that. well albert we know you're listening <laughs> necrot juice <laughs> necrot juice Anyway, we're headed towards the end here. Um, Scotty, what are your final thoughts on this whole review situation? Um, well, I wanted to touch on what uh, Keith was saying about like how I'll cut to the chase curating your reviews. Um, like you have to have the right stuff to keep people reading and, um, I'll liken it to like my record distro. Um, like when I'm setting out my distro for kids to flip through at shows, I don't do it in alphabetical order. I put a record you've heard of, and then I put a record you maybe haven't heard of. And then I put a record you know, and maybe a record you don't know. And so if you kind of go back and forth, give and take like that, and I try to do that with new releases as well. Like give you something you've been waiting for, then introduce you to something new. Then give you something you've been asking about, then introduce you to something new. So I think Ghost Cult seems to be aware about that, you know, from what I'm hearing from Keith. And I think that that is really smart. And um, if we're on our way out, I need to plug myself. Please watch Tank Crimes TV on Instagram. It's um, great. Because it's amazing. It's I'm, rad. Uh, I'm just uh, using this opportunity of uh, how easy it is to communicate with people to share my story and I'm having a good time doing it and getting um, a lot of, I'm, at meet, I'm already meeting a bunch of pe- cool people. And it's like, I've been meeting people this way my whole life and now it's even happening again. And it's all on my phone too. As much as I preach, you gotta go outside to meet people, uh, you know, do everything. But be self-aware, uh, have confidence in yourself, uh, love uh, your friends and tell them that and hug them and thanks you guys for having me back on uh, let's get more regular yes let's take some fiber and get more regular on this <laughs> podcast I'm all about taking fiber it's been, it's been a weird couple weeks this has been Dumb and Dumbest thank you for listening are we done yet? thank you Albert <laughs> everything is terrible